And what is up, podcast people? You are listening to The Soundcast, and this is episode 28. I'm your host, Christopher Coleman, and on the line with us today, of course, is Tom Hoover of scorenotes.com, and also we have a special guest, composer Noah Sirota. And you might say, Noah Sirota, where have I heard that name? Well, let me tell you who that is. Uh, Noah's a ranger and composer who's been with Remote Control Productions for some four years. He's worked on a few little titles you may have stumbled across on the indie circuit. Transformers, The Simpsons Movie, The Dark Knight, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, Sherlock Holmes, Angels and Demons, and even this summer's X-Men First Class. Welcome, guys, to the Soundcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing good, thanks. Great. Tom, you're doing good, too? Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, no, it's great to have you uh, take some time. I'm really uh, appreciative of the time you're taking. Um, I left off one particular title that you've worked on, and that is the recently released uh, television series. It premiered just last weekend, and that and that is A Falling Skies, of course. And the, the buzz has been uh, pretty good about that series. And uh, one of the most, I think it's, I, th- I read a couple articles or saw some headlines that said it was one of the the most watched premiere television premieres or cable premieres ever something to that effect to that effect yeah it's uh, I, th- I, th- it's, I read something like that too it's, it's hard to keep track of it though <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean and in this day and age that um you know there's been a lot of major television series to get started here in the last decade so that's that says something so i'm sure you're proud of that fact um well yeah, be- before we get into falling skies and we're going to talk more in depth about that um, in a little bit, and also about TV music as a whole, um, if we have time. Um, as we traditionally do, we we share a few things that uh, we've been listening to in in, in our own personal time between uh, podcasts. And uh, Noah, you'll be welcome to share if you have time to listen to anything what to, <laughs> what what you've been listening to over the last uh, week or so. But Tom, we'll start with you. What have you been listening to? Well, uh, since last week, I've basically been trying to absorb uh, what exactly happened with the Green Lantern uh, score. (laughs) That's... Okay, go ahead. (laughs) I won't say anything. (laughs) No, I just, uh, just, uh, you know, underwhelmed by it because some of the choices in there. Well, first off, I I don't think uh, James Newton Howard was uh, readily inspired by what was shown on screen. Uh, you know, starting with the uh, the Top Gun music that was heard uh, during the uh, combat sequences, the combat sim- simulations, and just the uh, the, the lift of the uh, first night fanfare. I don't know if any of you guys caught that, but you know, there seemed to be a direct quote of uh, Goldsmith's first night in this Green Lantern theme. So that that hmm. kind of distracted me a bit. I missed uh, that. I did not yeah, catch it, that. Interesting. It, it, Yep, yep. So, yeah, disappointed by it. You know, still trying to work my way through it. But uh, I've been listening to that and, and the uh, James Warner uh, compilation from Silver Screen. They've added a couple updates to it. So always nice to hear some of his highlights. So that's what I've been uh, listening to of late. Okay, very good. I'm just uh, conferencing in Marius right now, so I'm pop online. Marius, are you there? We were just in the. We just started with the. Uh, what are we listening to? Tom was on um, uh, Green Lantern. Was that the only thing you had going, Tom? 
Well, uh, it's been kind of a slow week uh, with the, with the scores, uh, but the silver screen uh, advanced promo of James Horner's uh, compilation. Oh yeah. Uh, just as a side note. Um, what do you think of it? Uh, it uh, again, it's it's always nice to hear classic Horner, uh, the kind of bold thematic music that that I love because there's not a lot of it consistently these days. So revisiting that yeah is always pretty good. Yeah. Well, I, I'm refraining from, from commenting on Green Lantern only because I think there's so much to comment on that it almost is worthy of a podcast unto itself. Um, so I'm kind of debating that. That's why I don't, I don't want to say much, <laughs> too much on that yet. Um, you guys have me peaked. I haven't heard any of it yet. So Oh, really? Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to taint your taint anything but um i think tom gave you a, a, a an interesting angle on it <laughs> yeah basically if you saw top gun uh you, you pretty much uh, heard some of the score at least Ooh, yeah that's uh, well for me i'll see one thing and that's it and don't let me say anything more and that <laughs> is um you know with the name of james newton howard attached to it um this isn't representative of james newton howard that's all I can say. Um, it just is not. And, and yeah, so that's it. Um, uh, Marius, what have you been listening to? Um, I actually haven't gotten a chance to listen to Green Lantern yet or to see it, although I don't want to. <laughs> so there's that. Uh-huh. Um, but I've been listening to DC Showcase, which yeah. is uh, a great collection of music from... Um, from some of the, the little short animated um, films, so that's been it's been interesting. Yeah, by the track uh, team. Yeah, yeah. I you know I mean my my review will be ready soon, but I was uh, having some mixed responses to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I haven't actually been listening to anything new. It's been a bit of a crazy period of time. So yeah, you've been writing more than listening, I assume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, um, uh, Noah. What have you been listening to recently that's that uh, has piqued your interest? Well, uh, nothing new, but mm-hmm. uh, in my car right now, I've got the Minority Report score going. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and what? Other than that, I can't really think of much. I don't listen typically to a whole lot of scores. You know, um, I listen more to you know classical, you know, twentieth century, you know, mm-hmm. music. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean like serial stuff. I mean like the, you know, the Stravinsky's and the, you know, somewhat leaning towards the, uh, you know, newer music, but um, still tonal. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, I listened to scores here and there too. And before that, I think I was on Michael Kamen's Robin Hood. Oh, nice one. Nice one. Um two kind of well they're both very strong works now in general you say you don't listen to scores is that just because you want to keep you want it to be what you do to stay fresh and not be too influenced or is it just not very entertaining for you to listen to those things um i let me refer i don't listen to a a lot uh and i'm comparing that to some of the people i know i listen to (laughs) i listen to uh you know soundtracks from time to time it usually has to be something that um I'm either you know a fan of the composers or just something about it. I kind of have to go check it out. Uh, I don't necessarily am in the habit of uh, 
checking out everything that's been released. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of, you know, sometimes it has to be out for a little while before I get around to checking it out. You know, some of that's just due to being busy. Sure. Uh, and, you know, some of that's just, you know, I don't want to know everything that's out there. Okay. You know? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I've been listening to a, a lot of things. There's been a lot of kind of releases lately, you know, smaller releases um, that I've been trying to give my time to every day. But the couple that have stood out, one is called Heartless by David Julian, who isn't one, who isn't one of my favorite composers. Um, he's, he's just he's very understated. I mean, he used to do work with um, Christopher Nolan all the time with uh, what was the name of that uh, Insomnia, and I forget the other one he did with him. But very understated and usually not very interesting to listen to apart from the film. Um, but Heartless, uh, which I think is Screamworks' first release, or if not their first, one of their first releases, which is a, a new company that's related to Movie Score Media, um, and released on the 21st of June. Um, it's pretty good. It's 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 understated and it's fairly dark, but there are some nice moments in there, a nice melody that kind of comes in every once in a while in the main theme. Uh, so I've been enjoying. I've been enjoying that, surprisingly. Um, and then another one called Brighton Rock by Martin Phipps, uh, which is a Silva America release, which uh, it released in February, way back in February, but uh, released in the UK back in February, um, and just released here in the US on the 14th. But the music is so eclectic. I mean, there's a, there's a, like a boys' choir, and then you've got some really strong jazz uh, tracks in there. Um, but then there's some very dramatic orchestral stuff. I mean, it's just all over the place. But it's a really entertaining listen from start to finish. And so I've been, while I've been having a hard time getting my head around it, like, what is this? Um, it's been really fun to listen to, which I don't get to say that very often about too many things that get released. Um, especially when you're just judging the music on the music's merits uh, and not, because, oh, it was attached to a great film or a TV show or a game where it's just the music and you're like, wow, this is a very entertaining listen. So I highly recommend that, Brighton Rock uh, by Martin Phipps. And I think that's all that we've been listening to. And, um, you know, we've gotten some good feedback on this segment where people have you know, kind of gone out and checked out the titles we've talked about and uh, picked some of them up and have been have been uh, happy that they did. So uh, if you if that's you and you're listening, you're like, oh, I never heard of Brighton Rock or I never heard of Green Lantern. Well, who hasn't heard of Green Lantern? But you go out and you check it out and uh, you have an opinion on it. We'd love to hear uh, what you think about some of these titles that, that we've been listening to as well. So um, please give us your feedback on that. Uh, so that'll wrap up our What Have We Been Listening To segment. Um, and we'll move right into uh, our special segment and discussion with composer Noah Sirota, who is the, the composer for the recently uh, premiered television series entitled Falling Skies.
No, we want to spend a few minutes with you talking about your most recent project, and I think all of us have uh, a number of questions for you. But before we actually dive too far into Falling Skies, um, you know, your name is kind of new to some degree. Uh, Obviously, you've been in the business for some time working uh, at Remote Control and working with all those wonderful people there. Um, I'm curious as to how, even the even though you were composing prior to and very much involved in the music world and different in jazz bands and Irish bands and so forth, um, how did you become noticed by Hans Zimmer and how did you become a part of Remote Control Productions? Well, <laughs> where to start? Uh, <laughs> let's see. I think uh, initially uh, it was kind of a two-pronged attack uh, with Hans, it was kind of, um, yeah, I think he'd heard my name from um, a composer that we kind of, I had worked with, and he had worked with Hans uh, on a couple of different things. And uh, we, uh, you know, he had heard my name through, you know, him a couple of times. I was, you know, helping this other guy out. And uh, also, I had done a pitch uh, for a TV show DreamWorks was doing, I guess this is about four or five years ago. And, um, at that time, Hans was involved with uh, DreamWorks in the music realm. Uh, I think he was, I don't know what his title was. He was something like, you know, music consultant or head of music. Anyway, I think he, he got a, his hands on a uh, demo I uh, submitted. And uh, I think he had seen the name a couple times. He was like, well, I should, you know, call him and get him down here and see what he's up to and all this. So, uh, you know, I came down to Santa Monica at the time I was uh, living up in Valencia, California, and uh, basically sat down with him, and uh, he started, you know, talking about this and that. We started talking about, you know, uh, all the stuff, you know, us composers talk about when we get together, which is only interesting to other composers. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, basically at the end of it, he goes, well, you want to come work with me for me? You know, we're always looking for people, you know, that, you know, good at programming and, you know, have a good head on their shoulders and, you know, can write music and just general good at kind of whatever they're thrown at because, you know, in this business, you you know, have, you have to be engineer, you have to be, you know, musician, you have to be programmer, you have to kind of be all of the above. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it happened. And, you know, I showed up and n- no one knew what, you know, I was supposed to be doing much, you know, much, you know, including Hans. So, you know, it was a, you know, a while of hanging out you know, and kind of seeing the process and just sitting over someone else's shoulder and kind of seeing what they're doing and, you know, where you can help plugging in. You know, at first it was kind of technical stuff, uh, and then it kind of, you know, blossomed into, you know, actually doing writing. Right. So, you know, and I think it's the path is kind of different for, you know, everybody here. You know, everyone's kind of got a different story. Okay. Very interesting, though. So you kind of came in. He wanted you there, but it wasn't like, okay, I want you to do this. Um, you just right. kind of came in, and what I mean, what a that seems like an awesome opportunity just to to float for a little bit, if that's what you know. Yeah, you it was kind of you know, you met someone, you go, you know, this is a good guy, you know, you want to plug him in somewhere. We'll figure it out, you know. But the big thing is finding the people you want to collaborate with. You know, you you get along well, or you know, you like their ideas, and you can figure it out, you know, later. Right. during the process how to you know make that work right and so that's how you got your hands in so many of these major titles because you were moving around and and learning and watching and then participating i take it yeah exactly okay 
Okay, very interesting. So, what is it like, kind of on a day to day basis there? Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> is it uh, like times of of chaos mixed with times of just you know a moment of serenity here and there, or what's it, how does it flow from day to day? Well, you know, it really depends uh, on the day, but usually it's anarchy. Uh, <laughs> somewhat managed, but not necessarily so. Uh, it's, you know, a bunch of people in, you know, a bunch of different buildings, and we're all either working on the same project or different projects or some at the same time. And, you know, it's just a, it's a big, you know, beehive. So, you yeah. know, it's who's to say what day, you know, you walk in, you don't kind of really never know what you're going to be doing um, <laughs> unless you're, you know, you're on a project and you're, you're reaching a deadline. But, you know, you might finish a project and you get a phone call the next day. It's like, oh, we need to start, you know. Yeah, getting ready for this, and let's go and record some, you know, bazooki samples, or let's, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So. Okay. One question I had was, uh, you were on Sherlock Holmes. Uh, were you the principal violinist on that, by chance? I was one of a few. Uh, there was three of us that, uh, you know, did. There was Alexi uh, and Anne Marie Calhoun and okay. uh, myself. Okay. And uh, Alexi did kind of the gypsy stuff. That okay, yeah. Uh, and then Anne-Marie Calhoun and myself did a lot of the, um, well, the jamming, the kind of just general fiddle nonsense. And uh, we also played the film down. Uh, and what I mean by that is, like, you know, Hans had this idea that, you know, he wanted this kind of band sound, mm-hmm. uh, even in the kind of big string moments. So I don't even think they did much in the way of uh, recording a violin section hmm. uh, until the kind of the bigger cues towards the end. But what it was was we kind of approached it a little bit more pop style where the, the two of us kind of sat down and tracked the entire film down, played all the violin parts a couple times, you know, wow. four times. So it was a lot of work. It was a couple of days, you know, towards the end where we just locked ourselves in my room and, pretty much just played the film down wow so but in in addition to that you know i did you know the source music and uh a lot of the irish kind of influence okay. so that's kind of my that's your thing back well well it's not it's, it's part of one of my things okay <laughs> you know i was traditionally you know a classical violinist and you know when i was a teenager that you know isn't cool so i was trying to find other stuff to do uh jazz and i started playing with this irish band because it was a lot of fun and it got me into you know going and playing in clubs and stuff so you know i did it for a long time it was a lot of fun it's fun music to play so you know i have a kind of a history with it uh what about um angels and demons did you get to work with joshua bell at all on that you know uh not really he was kind of in new york i I think uh maybe in london uh we I think they sent tracks and, you know, he would play on them and they did like a, you know, Skype type situation where they'd monitor the sessions and you know, Hans would tell them what they want. I did a couple like mock-ups earlier okay. on, you know, before we got him involved to kind of sell the cue to Ron. Um, but mainly I was, you know, doing some programming and arranging on that. But okay. very little violin playing on that. That was kind of Joshua, the Joshua Bell show. Right. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, early on, it was a little, you know, before we they called, you know, Joshua Bell, because he's, you know, busy guy with a concert career. Sure. And I'm a guy that's here in a room, so it was easy to kind of do some scratch violin tracks. 
So you didn't get to play his Stradivarius or anything? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> Being that you're a, a classically trained musician, I mean, what would have, what motivated you to become such an expert on the technical side of things? Uh, I mean, obviously it was a, a good choice given where, you know, it led, but how did that decision come about for you? Uh, I think more out of necessity than anything else, uh, you know, wanting to record myself or wanting to, you know, play with some people, but, you know, not necessarily having the people around to play with. So that's kind of when I, you know, I kind of got into the whole technical side of stuff and started learning, you know, a sequencer and, you know, recording. And then, you know, you try to figure out how to get it to sound good. And it was kind of a natural, you know, evolution. And, and uh, I was just going to follow up and ask if you find the process as fulfilling on the technical side of things as, you know, just straight up performing. No. <laughs> the short answer is no. Uh, I, you know, don't really enjoy programming. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, you know, I do it out of necessity, and like most people. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of samples. You know, if I had to do it my way, we would record everything. Um so, I mean, yes and no. You know, I do it more out of necessity, and sometimes I, you know, kind of geek out on it, but not too often, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Given remote control's popularity out there, it feels like sometimes the individual talents of the composers are overlooked. And uh, what is your comment to, to that kind of uh, vibe that, that's out there amongst the film score? some of the film score fans, uh, it, it seems like there's a lot of unique individual talents there, and it, it, and it does sometimes uh, get overlooked by the, by, by the popularity uh, of the company. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting question, and I, I don't really necessarily have an answer. Uh, I think it's different for everybody individually around here. Um, you know, there's guys that have been here a long time, you know, Steve Jablonski, uh, you know, the list goes on. You know, people like um, John Powell and Harry, who, you know, you were here a long time ago and have kind of moved geographically away from the kind of the studios, mm -hmm. um, seem to have a little bit more separation in name. Uh, some of the guys who have stuck around don't. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that it has anything to do with the music or the talent. I think people tend to just see, you know, Hans's name or remote control and, and kind of lump it into a category. Um, but, you know, the the reality is a lot of, the, you know, people around here, you know, we're, we're pretty much just renting space. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's, there's space to be rented. And so <laughs> we're all kind of here, uh, you know, and it's, it's a good, good place to be you know there's a lot of there's just you know there's some studios you can record in mix in you know if you run into a problem technical problem there's someone around who knows how to do it you know seen it before it's kind of like a security blanket in a sense and you know being the remote control facilities you know quote unquote um but yeah i think you know that a lot of people have their own voices and i think the fact that you know some of the guys came out of being, you know, additional arrangers for Hans or that kind of stuff, people tend to think of it as, you know, it's all one big happy family. But, you know, there are some serious individuals, you know, talent-wise. 
So I don't know if that really addresses the question at all, but <laughs> I did what I could. <laughs> is there a such thing as the remote control sound? Is that a is that a fair thing to say that that exists? You know, you could say that. I think one of the reasons you could say that would be because of the sample library. And what I mean by that is, you know, Hans has spent years and years and years developing samples, and a lot of the guys around here use them. Mm -hmm. um, and for better or for worse, a lot of times samples wind up in the finished product. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yes, sonically, I would say that there is a um, correlation. Mm -hmm. okay. But... Do you, if you mean compositionally, I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, you kind of start writing what you are around and what you listen to, what, what you're absorbing. You know, we're all sponges, musical sponges. So, you know, we sit and listen to other people's stuff. You're just in the building. You're hearing stuff. It kind of, you know, there is a little bit of assimilation that goes on. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think it, it, it has to be a conscious effort to try and do something new or try and you know, add some new sounds or, you know, look outside the, the norm, the comfortable, you know, range of what we're used to. Um, well, let's move on then and to talk about your, your most recent uh, project, uh, Falling Skies, which, which premiered on uh, TNT to very high ratings. So it's it started airing last Sunday. It's going to be airing weekly, and uh, you're the composer on it. Um, how did that come about? Um, let's see. I got a phone call, and uh, it was from Steven Spielberg, who basically said, I would like you to do this untitled at the time, Alien Invasion TV show. And, uh, Steven Spielberg course, just called you out of the blue? This is true, yes. Wow. And, uh, you know, when when you get that phone call, it, you almost don't have to wait for the end of the sentence uh, <laughs> to say yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's kind of how I, you know, got dropped into it. You know, early on in the process, he goes, you know, I've got this show, I want you to do it. Are you in? I'm like, yes. And then, you know, it was kind of, killed me because I had to wait like a couple months before I could even figure out if they were going to green light it. You know, they had, oh, they wow. had shot this pilot and, you know, they were waiting and waiting and waiting to see if, you know, it was going to get picked up and the TNT was going to you know, order the, order the series. Yeah. So, you know, I was on, you know, nails and trying to figure out like, Oh my gosh, is this going to happen? Is it not, you know, this would be so awesome. And then, you know, finally, you know, months later I found out, you know, it was going to happen. Okay. Now, was there? Did you have some previous history with Steven Spielberg? Um, yeah, uh, a mutual friend uh, introduced us, you know, a while ago. Okay. Uh, years ago, and uh, you know, he's kind of kept tabs on on me and my career. Um, you know, he's really into fostering new talent, not just musically, but um, you know, on the director side and just kind of general all around film business. You know, he's. Uh -huh. He's great at that, and uh, you know he's kept tabs with me on my career, and you know I've sent him CDs, you know what I'm working on, and this stuff, that stuff, and you know I think he, you know, has wanted to get me involved in some stuff, you know, and I think he was like, you know, here's a TV show, uh, you know I can take a risk here, and 
you know, get a kind of, you know, unknown guy and, you know, see if he can do it. Yeah. Wow. What an honor that is. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading uh, Greg Beeman's blog on, on the on the project, and um, obviously he's kind of overseeing the series as a whole, and then he's directing specific episodes as well. Uh, was he the one you principally got direction from in terms of the musical direction? Not really, no. Uh, Greg was pretty much in Toronto most of the time uh, when they were doing the filming. And okay. uh, I, you know, was starting, because they had done the, you know, shot the pilot, you know, almost two years ago now. Um, so they had had that for a while done. So I kind of was starting on that as they were shooting. And then kind of, you know, as episodes were coming in and they were getting chopped, you know, I would start on them. And, you know, he was more busy with the, the shooting and kind of overseeing that. Most of the creative uh, stuff was, you know, I kind of did with uh, the heads of TV, uh, DreamWorks music, uh, Daryl Frank and Justin Falvey. They kind of are heading up the TV, DreamWorks television department. So, okay, you know, most of the kind of talks and stuff I had were with them. And, you know, they would pass along notes from the... Um, TNT executives as well, but it was, for the most part, you know, it was pretty much Daryl and Justin that I, you know, went back and forth creatively with. Hmm. Okay. So, so how much time did you actually have to to write music for the for the pilot anyway? Well, for the pilot, I had probably three or four weeks because um, it was, you know, I had it and it was pretty much edited. Uh, mm -hmm. They were had done a couple pickup shot, you know, scenes and stuff when they were shooting, so. I'd say 90% of it was pretty locked, you know, 80 to 90. So, you know, I just went ahead and started on it. And I had time to kind of develop some ideas and play around and figure out what I wanted to do for what, and you know, which was nice, you know, because you don't always have that, you know, the luxury of the time. Right. And then, uh, you know, as we got along kind of into the series, it was about, you know, an episode a week, episode a week and a half kind of thing, depending yeah. on what it was and how fast they needed it and, you know, I maybe would start on one. They were like, "Oh, actually, we're gonna throw this other one, you know, around in the in the mix because we got to get the visual effects. That that one's visual effects heavy, so we're gonna push that one towards the end of the schedule. So why don't you start on this episode?" So there was a little bit of jumping around, but not a whole lot. It, well, in that in that two-hour pilot, you know, I was kind of surprised about the amount of time they spent on on the main characters and setting them up, and and musically, there's there's a lot more softer, melodic sort of music than I was anticipating for for this series. But would you say that's representative of the series as it goes forward, that's going to continue that way, or does the music start to ramp up in any sort of way? Uh, basically, you know, the core of it is a survival story. You know, these, mm -hmm. these people have basically trying to figure out how to move on, uh, move forward with life. You know, they've just been pretty much wiped out. So they're trying to, you know, figure out, you know, putting back together civilization and surviving while they do. And, you know, kind of third on the list is fighting back. You know, that's kind of least on their list. You know, it's right. more about, you know, feeding themselves and surviving. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, this, you know, this, this series pretty much focuses on the, you know, on the people. You know, it's really a, it's a story about the, the folks, you know, the people and how they interact with each other. And, you know, there's, you know, there's kind of, I mean, it's just like, you know, there's good people and there's bad people. And, you know, 
it's not like everyone's all good all of a sudden. You know, there's still people who are out for, you know, themselves, and there's still people who are, you know, selfless and taking care of others. Right. Um, and in the mix there, you know, there is quite a bit of alien interaction where, you know, the aliens are, you know, capturing children and what's that all about? And, you know, we got to go yeah. find and rescue. And so there is, you know, they're running away, you know, aliens attack. And it's like, so there is, you know, some action stuff. But I'd say the focus of the show is the survival story. So the music kind of does, you know, more so tells the story, um, you know, supports that. And when you yeah. have the, you know, action bits, there's, you know, get your action music. Oh, well, even the main theme, you know, it's kind of a, a solemn, it's heroic, but it's solemn at the same time uh, with the lead trumpet there. And it it, it really kind of has that duality to it, um, which kind of fits right in with how Beeman and, and Spielberg kind of described the show as being more Save It Private Ryan than War of the Worlds. Um, is, is that something that you kind of had in your mind as you were writing? Uh, yeah, I mean, the first the first thing I submitted, everyone was like, this is great, we love it. And then I got picture, and we started trying to put some of it up, and I started getting notes, this seems a little too sad and ominous, you know? We feel like they're defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned out what I had to do was uh, change a chord, pretty much, which huh. made it... <laughs> uh, I didn't really touch the, the theme, uh, interesting enough. I changed some of the harmony, and it felt... You know, I couldn't really go major. You know, it's not like it's a, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's still dark. You know, it's still post-apocalyptic. Are we going to survive? You know, and it wasn't overtly heroic. You know, it's not, we're not superheroes. There's no, I mean, we, we lost, you know, it, right. the numbers prove that. So it's kind of tricky, uh, you know, to figure out, you know, what that, you know, what that thing could be, what, you know, musically what you can do. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, towards the end of that theme, it does get a little bit heroic, but not overtly, you know, you know, too much. So it was kind of a fine line and it was, uh, you know, a bit of a, you had to think about it. Hmm. Okay. Now, do you think as this, as this goes forward and hopefully gets picked up for additional seasons, um, uh, do you anticipate them opening up the budget more for you specifically and, and what you can do musically or have they not even gone that road yet? You know, I think it's so early, so early on, you know, early days, you know, who's to say, you know, what's, what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. I would, I, you know, I'd love more than anything to, you know, record some people, you yeah. know, even if it's a, you know, a small group, you know, a small band. Uh, I did, a, you know, I played a little bit of violin here and there. Um, it was kind of tricky to do, though, because every time, you know, the solo violin came out or the solo cello came out, you know, they'd be like, ooh, it's really sad. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, it's not, it's the same stuff you've been hearing. It's just, you know, your mind just goes toward that, like, you know, when it's real and it's, there's so much emotion in the music and it's yeah. slow. It's like, you, you know... Your mind just goes there. So I did a little bit of tracking up here and there in places, but um, you know, it's it's tough to do. And you know, it wasn't so much the schedule; it was more it was just no money, you know. Yeah, and, sure. and so you know, I was, had to do the sample thing. But and, you know, hopefully so. You know, if it does well and success, successful, yeah. I know I think it can get the right people on board with it because you know, no one knows more than Spielberg. You know how important that is. Oh you yeah, know, to have life and you know on the music. You know. And was that a specific pressure on you? Because I mean, Spielberg is—you know—he's a film score guy. He—he—that's something that's really important to him. Was that something that 
that weighed on you or did you or was it maybe liberating because you knew you, he had your back oh it was pressure you know i've got to yeah. deliver you know here it is he gave me this opportunity and i've got to you know i've got to hold my own so you know i had to sit and figure out what i was going to do musically you know i didn't want to just do um the easy easy way out you know i didn't want to do a whole synthetic, you know, more tech score. And I did some experimenting and kind of earlier on, I tried a little bit stuff here and there and it kind of actually, I kind of justified it because, you know, the technology is wiped out, you know, there's no electricity and it kind of almost took me out of the picture a little bit when Mm. I started getting some, you know, synths, you know, synth sounds in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's just, you know, tasteful here and there and stuff peeks through. But for the most part, it's, you know, pretty traditional orchestral score which mm-hmm. i thought lended well you know to this kind of scale and scope of the film of the you know picture as well absolutely well guys questions for for noah no i, I was just kind of a comment i think uh given the premise of alien invasion is kind of a common theme in entertainment today uh, I, i'm not surprised that that this series is aiming to earn its stripes through its characters i think walking dead is doing that as well and is that was that a clear intent, uh, even early on, uh, Noah, that this is, you know, essentially we're going for the characters, this is this is their tale, and then everything, you know? Yeah, I believe it was. You know, it's basically, in the way the show opens, too, it's like, you know, they don't want to shoot an, another alien invasion. We've seen that how many times in how many films. And, you know, and it's a TV show, uh, so, you know, you can't really, you don't have the budget to, you know, like Skyline or, you know, all these, you know, huge alien invasion things are we've seen the alien invasion you know countless times it's about you know they wanted to have it more it's a survival story and it's kind of set in you know a sci-fi kind of you know alien invasion post-apocalyptic world so it is about the people and the characters um and it was less about the the big you know end of the Mm -hmm. world vibe so Mm -hmm. i think from the beginning that was always the intent Mm, so interesting um, it, it, the contrast for me is interesting. Is I sat and had a long conversation with my nephew when we went to go see um, Battle L.A. And after we watched it, I was disappointed with with the film a bit. Um, you know, and I said, you know, why don't why don't they why doesn't somebody do a movie about us losing and losing the battle instead of you know winning all the time in one way or another or accidentally winning uh, or 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 what have you. And just do something about us losing that battle and then having to fight back and win the world back. And it wasn't too long after that that um, that the TNT started marketing this uh, your series. So I was really excited. And I you know I emailed them. I'm like, dude, they're they're doing it. They're doing. You it. had a premonition. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, because you hit it on the head. I mean, it's been we've there's been a countless movies of the invasion and the battle. And we always win in the end, one way or another. Um, although I guess in Battle of L.A. we didn't win-win. Uh, they ended on a positive note, but we didn't like ultimately win yet. Uh, but still. Um, so that's why I'm excited about this, is to see you know, where they go with this, with this series and uh, how they treat. Uh, because they have, a, they have a whole different kind of uh, line to explore because we've lost and we're trying to win it back. Um, yeah, there's a lot of story to be told, and you know, even said, you know, it wasn't 
I didn't read all the scripts. You know, they sent a couple my way, and, you know, I didn't get around to reading them before I'd get the cut. So, I you know, I'd be watching a cut. I was like, oh, what's going to happen next? And, you know, there is a larger <laughs> there is a larger arc, you know, kind of in the series. And I think, you know, it is episodic in the sense that, you know, there's kind of a thing that they accomplish or do, you know, each episode. But yes. there is that bigger arc of kind of, yeah, they're still running away and surviving. And they, you know, there's a lot of ground to be traveled before it's back to normal and you know we'll never get back to normal right kind of thing you know it you can't really move on from the fact that the earth was just wiped out yeah <laughs> that's hard to get or that's hard to, to, to make up <laughs> you don't forget that yeah um then i wanted to ask just in general you know you scoring now for for a television show. I don't think you've done TV before this. You've done some some independent films and whatnot. For you and and being involved in music for so long, what is what are your thoughts on the trends in in television music? Um, what do you see as you know now that you're a part of that world? Um, what do you see as the current trends within scoring for TV and and what you're doing specifically? Yeah, that's a really hard question, um, and I'm not really sure what the trends might be, to be honest. I, you know, I don't watch a ton of TV because uh, it's hard to, you know, get into a show that then, like, you know, a couple weeks in, I'm going to get a you know gig and I'm going to be in my room for you know seven days a week, you know, around the clock, uh, and then I'm like, ah, then I don't watch the show and then I lose you know interest and forget and tails off. So I don't watch a whole lot of TV. So. What I'm trying to think of, you know, I've, what I have watched, it seems to be sometimes it's the easy way out, you know. Um, it's the easy, you know, it's easy not to have themes and develop them. It's easy not to give a lot of, you know, care and love in the mix. I, you know, I, I don't I don't really know. Um, hmm. You know, it's easy to grab the, the loop, you know, and not sit and try to craft your own. Um yeah, it's hard. You know, it's hard to say because I'm not, you know, really down on all TV music and you know, TV music like that in, in, encompasses a, a whole wide variety of stuff. Um, True. The only thing I, you know, can do is approach it. You know, as here's a project. You know, forget it's on TV. It's just think of it as a long form thing. And I think I, you know, I wrote like something like five plus hours of score for, you know, this first season of Falling Skies. I've wow. never written that much in, you know, in in my life, actually, for one, you know, project. Sure. sure. Um, so, you know, I had two themes, uh, kind of the main theme of the, you know, Tom Mason, his family character, and the main theme, and I had to develop it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it couldn't be the same every time, the same orchestration every time. It had to be different. It had to, you know, lend itself to the picture. Right. I think... You know, trends. Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what I was hinting at is that, at least in my perception, um, there, there's there been a, a training away from um, a lot of thematic stuff. And it's just kind of becoming, um, you know, sonic wallpapery. Yeah. Now, now, maybe it's starting to turn away from that a little bit with Bear McCreary and some of the things he's done. In yeah, recent very years, yeah, but yeah, it's kind you know, of an it, exception. Yeah, it's easier to copy and paste stuff that doesn't have themes. Yeah, you know, and I say that because you know there's there's deadlines and there's very real deadlines, and you know especially when it's a 
you know, a network show that, you know, is kind of, you're cranking it pretty hard and fast. You know, yeah. cable's a little bit different, I think, you know. Uh, we had a little bit of leeway. Like, you know, I was kind of done with this back in February, March, you know, and it didn't oh. air until June. So yeah. they were, I mean, we had wrapped it up, you know, and, you know, so we did have our own deadlines, you know. Yeah. Well, Marys and Tom, I mean, you, I know you guys both have thoughts on, on television music, some that you like a lot and some maybe not so much. What, are your th- what do you guys think about the, what are your interpretations of the trends, current trends in television music? I'm just glad you mentioned Bear McCreary. Um, I think that yeah. I think that he's currently um, serving as a reminder to people that you can have themes, you can have um, very sophisticated musical development in a TV show and not have it feel out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think what he did for Human Target and um, Battlestar Galactica. I mean, especially in the case of Battlestar, that was an unexpected approach. Like that was you know, completely out of left field. Not only was it mostly live, but he was scoring, you know, a sci-fi television show with tycos and bizarre folk instruments. And, you know, so just that kind of creativity, I think it's it's nice to have someone like him in the picture reminding young uh, directors and TV producers that such a thing can work and should be valued. Mm-hmm. But in general, I think a lot of TV music is nowadays sounding like, um, I think lazy is a good word for it. Um, you know, given the deadlines, it's partly understandable, but still, it, it just feels like sometimes they're not even trying. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they're they're really you know, just think, lowest common denominator kind of work. I think what plays into it as well is, you know, the fact that, you know, we've advanced technologically far enough where we can really kind of fake the fact that we have real people playing yeah and it's and, the one button score effect too you know that's you know there's no depth you know uh, you know the the sampled you know orchestra really is two-dimensional and you know when you record it it really has life to it and you can in the mix you know it's people are watching it on television on tv sets you know and the, it's not like it's in a theater with a you know large sound system where you really hear you know, music, and it's kind of low, and you've got to, you know, fight all this dialogue and effects, and it, music sits pretty low, and a lot of times you don't really hear it or know it's kind of there, and unless, you know, that plus the fact that it's kind of 2D and, you know, thick kind of all-sample buildup, you know, it's kind of tucked down and kind of out of the way, and you don't really notice it. Mm-hmm. I think all of these things kind of contribute to the fact that, you know, it it, it takes someone like, uh, you know, Bear McCreary, who's, like, recording stuff and has themes before you're like, oh, yeah, there's music. Right. It's a tough thing. Yeah. Tom, what, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, first up, with, with Bear, I mean, uh, the, the the lengths he, he had to go to, it seemed like, to, to get that live instrument flavor in his scores. I mean, he hired his own uh, musicians uh, for, for some sessions uh, just to, get to that level of quality. So he took it upon himself and went above and beyond, which can't be asked of everyone. I think sure. um, my bigger concern here is, and this has crept into the silver screen on the, on the, uh, in the theaters, is that the uh, execs want that safe sound, and they don't want to give audiences any, things that would be new or unfamiliar to them. And I think television has taken that twofold where, you know, you get you get away with more, and you, you don't want to ruffle the feathers of the viewers. So, let's lay in this this kind of familiar wallpaper that won't disrupt the show, and it won't take any chances. And I think that's where 
we're at here in the U.S., where in the U.K., it seems like they, they have a little more life behind yeah. their television uh, endeavors. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Doctor Who, of course, and Torchwood, and, I mean, you can go on and on about British, you know, television series that uh, that have much superior music in, in overall than you find in for U.S. television shows. Falling skies notwithstanding, of course, um, <laughs> and and in Asia as well, in in Japan. I mean, every it's just it's culturally, it seems like it's not okay to to do that in the U.S. so much anymore, and that really bums me out because I really don't understand it from a marketing standpoint. I mean, if you think back to the seventies, eighties. I mean, even, you know, and Falling Skies, I think, is, I don't know, just because the pilot might be different, but, you know, there isn't an opening title sequence where you can play that theme and you hear it every week and you just know it. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. that's just how TV used to be. I used to love it. If I was in another room and I heard uh, the, the, the $6 million man theme come on, I came running out of my room so I could watch it. Um, and, but you don't have that anymore because the show's just start. And the credits roll as, you know, the first scene is playing. And, you know, you, you have no musical or sonic cue that, oh, mm -hmm. it's time for this or time for that, you know, that show. And I don't know if that day will ever come back because obviously they think that it's not a good use of time uh, to have a, a a title sequence run with a, with a strong musical theme anymore for whatever reason. It, to me, it makes no sense from a marketing standpoint because... That branding that you could have with having that kind of thing. Now you can maybe you can tell us, Noah, is how does fall, how will Falling Skies use your main theme? Uh, well, there is no title sequence. Uh, basically, yeah. what happened in the pilot is you know kind of what happens for each show. And I think you know the creator's decision there was mainly I think they could never really come up with what they wanted to do for a title sequence. They never really saw anything they wanted or, you know, they tried a couple things. They didn't really like them. And yeah. I think as, as a default, they kind of was like, well, let's have this kind of logo that kind of kind of statics in and kind of statics yeah. out. Like, you yeah. know, which is kind of cool in, a, in an effect. But I think, you know, I tend to agree with you. That, I mean, there's something about that. Like you're kind of, you know, fixing dinner or your sandwich or you're in the other room and, you know, you've got the TV on because, you know, the show's going to come on. And now all of a sudden you've got your, you know, the Simpsons tune, you know, comes on. You like, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, it's on now. You know, you look yep. at your watch, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there is something to be said for that. And I think, you know, and that's a great opportunity to kind of use, you know, a theme and kind of be like, oh, yeah, here's our main character's theme or here's kind of, kind of like the thing that, like, yeah. links the show all together. Yep. You know, yeah. people can pay attention to it there because you're not competing with anything, you know, yeah. other than a visual but yes. you know, auditorially, you know, you're, you're, there's no dialogue typically unless there's a voiceover, and there's there's no effects and you know all that kind of stuff. Well, as we kind of wrap it up, I want to ask you guys what some of your favorite, you know, television themes are that stick with you uh, and have stuck with you, and you know, even some of the ones you've mentioned, like what Bear McCreary's done with Sarah Chron Connor Chronicles or Battlestar Galactica. As good as those are, those aren't. What we, what to me, what we lack are iconic themes, TV themes. I can't think of any in the last. I mean, maybe the Simpsons theme, as you just mentioned, but I just can't really think of any. Um, that, yeah, that's already twenty years old or so, right? I mean, yeah. and ever all the ones I can think of that I really like, you know, like uh, Star Trek or 
you know, yeah. the, you know, those are pretty, you know, they're dated. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a while ago since we, you know, had yeah. a real substantial main title. Yeah, and like I said, I don't, I don't understand it, but because it just seems like a missed marketing, if for no other reason, a missed marketing opportunity. But um, Tom Marius, what are some of your favorite uh, TV themes, Tom? Well, I go back to the original Battlestar Galactica with what Stu Phillips did there. It's uh, yeah, it's still a tireless theme. It's, it's still always fun to, to hear it, and that was you know kind of my early days, what I grew up with, and I absolutely loved. And follow that up with some Buck Rogers, and you know, yeah. keep it going to Knight Rider, and then the eighties. What, what a heyday for that kind of stuff, no? Oh yeah. And just modernly, uh, I think Human Target, not that it had the iconic main theme that you'd latch on to, but the, the meat of it w- was just uh, remarkable. So uh, I like that. Good. And, uh, of course, you know you know, you know, know my stance with the good Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that we do. <laughs> Mary, so what about you? What are some of yours? Uh, I'm surprised no one's mentioned them, actually. Um, one of them that immediately comes to mind is Star Trek Voyager. Yes. Um, that theme is just outstanding um, you know just something quick on that when that first when that pilot debuted i remember watching the debut that i thought what is that i mean it didn't seem like there was a discernible theme in there on a first time going through i'm like is this a theme i was really disappointed and then i grew to love it just from hearing it over and over and over again sorry yeah no no, no you're right though because <laughs> i had the same i had the same response to it initially i thought it was kind of sleepy and uh, okay whatever um <laughs> yeah. but then you know watching it a few times i i I don't know. It really grew on me very quickly and very powerfully. I'm not. I'm not quite sure what voodoo's in there, but <laughs> it's that goldsmith voodoo. Yeah, goldsmith voodoo. And speaking of goldsmith voodoo, the other one I wanted to mention was um, Stargate Atlantis, mm, which uh, okay. the, the theme actually goldsmith. won uh, awards too, and I love it. I think it's adventurous. I think it's it really suits the show, and it's one yeah. of the only themes for television in recent years that I could immediately hum. You know, after seeing yeah. the title sequence the first time, that was stuck in my head. It hasn't left since. Yeah, good point. I didn't even think about that. That's good. You know, that, so that was that one. one. And the other one, which I'm sure none of you have heard of because it was a fairly crappy TV show. Um, <laughs> I used to watch it in the 90s. It was called Relic Hunter. Relic Hunter. Relic Hunter. Sounds familiar. It was on NBC, I think. I don't even know. It might be Canadian or something embarrassing. Oh, that, okay. So. Um, but that theme, again, it just... It, immediately sticks in your head and you know it just it doesn't let go i mean i can't actually find a score or anything like that for it anywhere but on youtube you can find the title sequence uh-huh. um and it's worth listening to i mean it's it's fairly you know campy but again it's it's a theme that really sticks with you so in terms <laughs> of favorites from that perspective that would probably be my list yeah very good uh, and you guys have named mine, um, and I named mine earlier. Six Million Dollar Man was probably my first favorite TV theme because we used to play on the playground and we used to hum that theme as we pretended we were Steve <laughs> Austin, of course, um, and Star Trek Voyager, too. Those are two of my, my, my all-time faves. Uh, Noah, what about you? Any favorite TV themes? You know, I watched the Andy Griffith show a whole lot growing up. Okay. Uh, you know, the reruns. So I yeah. have to say that one, you know, because you could sit there and whistle it along with Absolutely. it. You know, that's that's kind of like big. And I kind of yeah. already mentioned Star Trek, you know. Yeah. Those are great. And The Simpsons. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm hoping that um, Falling Skies can help 
buck the trend and and get us back that that we can hear your theme enough times in the context of the show that it becomes something that we recognize and remember and you know when our kids go out and play falling skies in the backyard they'll <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> they'll hum the theme <laughs> um well i think that's going to do it then for this particular episode of soundcast i want to thank uh thank you noah uh for coming on and talking absolutely. about falling Thanks skies absolutely our pleasure and we look forward to hearing more of your work uh, not only in falling skies but are there any other projects you can talk about at this time Nothing I can really divulge at the moment. Sorry. Okay. Okay, <laughs> but there are but there are some things then. Well, that's that's good. Yeah. That's very good. Um, and uh, of course, you can uh, reach us uh, on Twitter at, at @tracksounds. Uh, Marius, you can reach on Twitter at, at @mathazar and Tom uh, at scorenotes.com and at scorenotes. And uh, of course, uh, for those of you who are so inclined, if you would like to help uh, support Soundcast, you can. Easily make your donation at the Soundcast page or on the Track Sounds homepage. You'll see a little PayPal donate button. Um, anything you can do can help with our um, bandwidth costs, which are which are they're leveling out, but they've gone up over the last few months as the Soundcast has gotten popular because we've had great people like Noah Sirota on. Um, so you can help us out in that regard. And of course, we always want to hear your feedback on our episodes so if you have uh, a comment about this particular episode or some of our recent ones uh, we look forward to hearing from you whether it's on twitter on our facebook page or you can always email us at scoreman at tracksounds.com or post uh, a comment on our blog we would love to hear from you so that's going to do it as i mentioned uh, for this episode and uh, until we're online together again we ask you to stay tuned 